0: On today's episode, Dave interviews Mitch Rouse. Mitch is an alum of Second City and with Stephen Colbert, Amy Sedaris, and Paul Danello created the cult comedy classics Exit 57 and Strangers with Candy. Mitch wrote and directed the movies Employee of the Month and Without a Paddle. Mitch also created, wrote, and directed Factory, Spike TV's first venture in a comedy starring improv legend Dave Pesquese. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. How's your creative process going? With him
1: gone? with Jay gone? Um, no, it's always, you know, it's... We were working a lot together, we, but we also did a lot of other stuff uh-huh. without each other. Right. And we hadn't, you know, we hadn't really... We, the last thing we did was this thing called Circle Jerks, which is about a bunch of guys that get together to make fake crop circles. And, um, <laughs> what a great title. Yeah. And you it, know, what
0: titles are so important. I know. I look at the Soloway
1: <laughs> show, Transparent. Yeah. Transparent. I know. It's where you, like, and it sounds stupid, but several different levels. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Transparent. Circle jerks. Yeah, because these guys are just jerks. Yeah. yeah. Were you going to be in it? Uh, no, we were, you know, we wrote it for, you know, uh, you know the, the bag of monkeys that go into movies. Do you think that, because I talked to somebody, I, I had a bunch of movie ideas,
0: and I met with a producer, and the guy went, he said this. He said... Uh, Nobody's doing movies anymore. Don't even bother writing them. He said it's just so fucking hard to do that it's just. It,
1: he said it's just impossible to do. Yeah, I mean it's <clears throat> it is and it's not. I think it's like somebody said to me. There were well, there's there's this um, uh, there's a trend that's happening in in movies right now where the and this is when the Hangover came out. The the title of the movie tells you exactly what the movie's about. <laughs> I swear to God, as God is my witness, this happened. And I said, "Well, what are you talking about?" He goes, "No, like the Hangover. You know, it's about a hangover." And I said, "Yeah, like that movie, Planet of the Apes." I was thinking the Godfather was you the know, one that came with We the just thing. went down the whole list. I said, "Dude, this is not a trend. The first movie ever was called A Horse in Motion."
0: Right. right. So right. the Great you know, Train Robbery.
1: Yeah. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> what and Why that movie, I- Superman. <laughs> I mean, it was just. you know. And so it was at that point where I went. Oh, this, this, I'm fucked. There's no way I walk out of this room with a plus, you know, in my column at all. You So, this is the guy that you met with? Yeah, this is, uh, this is, one of my, <laughs> this was one of my former agents. Oh. Um, but no, that was one of the things where I was just like, but, but also as if he had cracked the code. Here's what it is. If, if you know, if you want to like, a movie made, yeah, have your title reflect what the movie's about (laughs) so you know it was just one of those okay
0: it's hard to find a movie that is the other way
1: Mm -hmm. inception you know
0: still the same thing
1: yeah but also you're Christopher Nolan so you don't have to exactly right right, right, there's no pitch process did you enjoy the matrix um the first one yeah you did? Did yeah. you get it? Did you understand it? Well, I don't, sp- I don't think you were supposed to walk out there and go, oh, the rabbit hole. I don't think but you were, you know, in the pills and the hole. I fucking didn't get it. And no. it
0: bugged the shit out of me that I didn't get it. Because I'm watching it saying, okay, that's the guy who's that guy. And they were in that place. So, okay, now the- oh, that guy's over there now. Right. Okay, now he's with, oh, the godness is, co- oh, look, he can bend. And then after a while, I just went, I want to see more bending. Right. I don't understand what the fuck's going
1: on. No, I don't think anybody walked out, out of- oh, they're going, great story. But people do say, you know,
0: it's like The Matrix. And i am gone, how can you... I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But you know, I felt the same way about Jacob's Ladder.
1: Yeah. Do you remember that movie? I do. Tim Robbins is great in that movie. And also, actually, the girl that... The actress that recently died was in it. Yeah. They went from... Uh... No. Anyway. SNL? No, 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 no. The... Um... I can't think of... Anyway. Um, I didn't get that movie there. I was yeah. pissed off at that movie, too. I think it... I mean... Not to be this guy, but the script was... I've read the script after. Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. You read the script after you saw the movie. Yeah. Like, it was one of those movies where I went, I want to find out what's... And not like I left the theater and went, got to find the script. Right. It was years later when I was like, yeah, this is sort of like that. I wonder how they wrote that. And mm-hmm. so I got the script and read it. And it made more sense. But they're also talking about doing a sequel of it now. I mean, a, a remake of it now.
0: I'm going to kill myself. I'm just yeah. not going to... I'm not going to do it. Do you watch movies? Do you go to movies?
1: Um, I want to. I don't have a lot of time. But also, I'm very particular about what I see. Right. You know? What was the last movie you saw? Um, <laughs> Box Trolls. With my kids. Who?
0: Lee Keckner posted saying, this is not a child's movie. She's like, there's a lot of kids crying in the in the theater.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of uh, dark moments. But here's the thing about that. I think it's when you have kids that flies up. Because I watched Santa Claus is Coming to Town. The the no, one with the, the claymation? claymation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Burgermeister, Meister Burger, there's a baby left on a doorstep. And when it goes up, he's going, No, no. I mean, it's, so it's just, so literally you're sitting there watching. But since you have all these, you think your memory is like sleighs and everybody gets right. toys and all his real name's Chris Kringle. Um, but no, <laughs> it's this horrible, dark, and even shot. Even then, that shot from weird angles, and it's all gray, and there—I mean, there's no brightness. Holly jolly Christmas shit. Right, right, you're right, yeah. you're right, you're right.
0: I always found that disturbing. But then I got Burl Ives in it, who I always found disturbing anyway. Mm-hmm. I found Burl Ives just to be a very disturbing human being. Who named names, by the way, in the House Un-American Activities Committee hearings? And I always think of that. Guy. Wow. No, don't.
1: No. Silver and gold were two of the names. <laughs> <laughs> and it, that's the way he was releasing the information <laughs> juice yeah.
0: give up silver and gold yeah. and silver, we'll let you
1: he was exactly. and gold
0: was he was gold was he was gold was uh, I, yeah, having kids must really change just
1: the way that you, you it
0: changes the way that you look at
1: everything though yeah it's pretty cool I mean it's it, um, yeah it's the same old but that's the other thing too you get into cliches and people go wow it goes so fast but anything that's a cliche is the truth or a stereotype. That's why people don't want to go, it's the truth. They want to go, wow, that's a stereotype or that's a cliche. Right. It's because that shit's real. Mm-hmm. And when people go go so fast, it's true. I mean, the first year you have a baby, your job is keep it alive. That's it. Keep it alive. Keep that's the ball it. in the air. You don't keep have to keep it happy. baby alive. Right. You don't, you don't, you don't have to impress <laughs> the neighbors. You don't have to do anything. Your job is to make sure that you know it constantly has a heartbeat. That's mm-hmm. it. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding because it's not you're not getting anything back from it and you're not giving it anything. All you're doing the first year of a child's life is checking on it. Mm-hmm. And it's looking at you like, I'm cool. You're cool. Okay, good. Now I'm going to go away for two seconds and come back and see if you're still alive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that. But no, it does change everything. It makes it look, you do look at everything completely differently. But also, too, you're, what's been my experience, and whether this is true or not, I don't know, for everybody... <clears throat> But there's this part of you that sort of hatches that becomes this very uh, caveman guy. We were, at, we were at the park one day when uh, my daughter, Tennessee, so she's, she was, I don't know, maybe two years old. And we were at the park, me and my wife in Tennessee, uh, the Coldwater Park, having a blast and then I was just sort of like, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And then I realized, I didn't, do th- I didn't go, oh, I ought to do this. Then I realized I'm walking towards a man that's standing on the edge of the park by himself. I didn't go, oh, there's that guy by the edge of the park. That's weird. I'm literally playing with my daughter, and then it dawns on me I'm walking towards this guy. Like I don't remember having the idea of that guy's weird. He's by himself. I'm copping a bad feeling Ooh, from him. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Right. So then I walked up to him with absolutely no reservations. Uh-huh. I didn't think about how big he was or how uh-huh. small he was. None of that played into it. Other than I said, hey, man, um, what's up? And he's like, nothing. And I go, do you have a kid here at the park? And he goes, no. Then I go, well, that makes you really fucking creepy. And then I go, you need to take off, dude. And as, I, as I'm as i standing there, I feel two other guys I've never seen in my life flanking me. And, I was just, and, the, and that was sort of this. And then I was sort of like, what, well, just, you know, it was pretty cool. On one level where you go, wow, I never would have even seen this guy, but I was sort of, and apparently other people were too. It's interesting because there's also something
0: within that about inspiration. I know, you know, just the idea of right. how inspiration <coughs> hits you. I know it's such a specific thing, but it's also the idea of you are were inspired to do that. The how and the why doesn't matter. What matters is you were thrown into action to do that.
1: Yeah, but what I'm saying is it wasn't a thought. That's what I mean. Me going to have to, you know, look up for the park. I, I got it. You were <coughs>
0: like, for me, but I'm reducing, it. I'm not reducing it, I'm, I'm also taking it down and saying, what made you go there? You were inspired, did you think right. about it? No, it's just like anything else when an idea comes to you. Right. I know you're talking about the protection of your child, and I get that too, but the idea of you going there, like, why did I think about that? And the why mm-hmm. doesn't matter, the fact is that you thought about that, and then these
1: other guys were like, ah! Yeah, it was really, really, really wild. I mean, there's a guy named, uh, there's a guy, there's a, a man named Gavin DeBecker that wrote a book called um, The Gift of Fear. Uh-huh. And what he's saying is that the fear that you have inside you is a gift. Right. And that we are taught to uh, ignore our gut. Like when we walk into a situation, he says, you know, you know, we're taught to, no, my gut told me, you know, so many people walk away and go, man, I should not have gone in there. Why? I just had this feeling I shouldn't go in there. And then you go, then why did you go in there? Because I would have been rude. Because I would have been a racist. Because they would have said this. Because they would have said that. Or I was feeling like, the, you know, there was five of them and one of me. Oh, those girls don't want to talk to me. So there's this whole list. Right. But your gut's going, no, dude, go. It's all good. Right. But or your gut's going, don't go in here. Right. Right. You know, Um, and so what it talks about is that your gut is just like anything else that we have. It's just this part of our body that says, "Hey, there's a lion. (laughs) Don't try to pet it." Do you think that it's that? Because for me, just
0: I mean, you've been a great improviser too. The idea of uh, we go with our gut Mm -hmm. and not with our brain. Yeah. And what I've been teaching just so much lately is. The idea of the gut is the gut and the groin and the heart and the respiratory system, those things that make you you go, look at that, look at that right now, look at that right now, that's happening right now. Trust that as opposed to talking yourself out of it or weighing shit out or this reminds me of that situation, just fucking going and doing it.
1: Yeah, because everything you just said falls back on judgment. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Right? So if you're going, I can't do that, or what I should, and then you're, what you're doing is you're thinking about it. Right. And I, the funniest, best, and I shouldn't say funniest, the best improvisers and the most consistent are the ones that jump out of the plane and figure out how they're going to land. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. Something
0: that, a uh, uh, hundred times it said something like that, where he said, uh, faith is Jumping out of an airplane and landing in a pond of mermaids. Yeah. 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 We're going to figure it out later. And I was talking about, somebody said this, the idea that you will, there's never a situation where you don't know what to do. (laughs) So, in other words,
1: what's that? In improvising or in life. Just in life, where you
0: go, certainly in life, where you say, oh my God, nobody ever says, oh my God, I just, this happened to me, I didn't know what to do, and then I disappeared. It's like that. You always know the answers, right? And I think the less that you listen to that brain of yours,
1: yeah,
0: or use it for things like there's that's how to turn the computer on, and that's where the printer is, and that's if people do print anymore, and that's where I hit send, and that's it, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, why? When made you read that book?
1: Um, my wife had it. My wife is. Um, Besides being the coolest chick in the world, she's just, she grew up in New York, and she wanted to be a cop, and she wanted to be a detective, she wanted to, you know, so she was consumed and absorbed with all that stuff. Right. Overcoming Uh, and Literally, what grew up in the village, I mean, right there smack dab, you know, 10th and Hudson. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and it was, but so it was around her constantly, but also she just had a fascination with right and wrong and all that stuff, so she was reading that. There's also one called, there's the gift of fear and then protecting the gift and protecting the gift is more, uh, both by Gavin Becker, more towards uh, children, what you mm-hmm. should do to protect them. I mean, it, they're both fascinating. Does it well. make you, do, it, <clears throat> are,
0: are, are either of those potentially things where you go, where you get paranoid about it and you're not living your life, rather you're living in, in, in the idea that there's this thing called security and you always have to be wary of people, or what you did, which is like every situation is going to call for that which every situation is going to call for, and I'm going to instinctively or
1: instinctively know well, I mean, as far as you mean to, to when you say scare and whatever, you mean like scare my kids or in the right moment. exactly
0: the idea of oh my god, did you read this, honey? That you
1: yeah, you I wouldn't. Know, I mean, air is bad. Um, no, I mean from these books. What's what's interesting about the the books is that it's sort of one of the examples that they give, which is I think sort of what you're referring to is, is if <clears throat> if a woman who's by herself goes in and there's an elevator <clears throat> that opens up, mm-hmm. okay, on the elevator. Now, the woman, let's say the woman's you know, 5'5, 115 pounds, whatever. And she's, there's a guy on the elevator and he's 215. Right. Okay. Now, if I don't get on this elevator, she says, she says, what happens? If this is a cool guy on the elevator and I don't get on the elevator, he's going to totally understand. Got it. If this guy is a prick or an asshole right. and I get on this elevator, then he might have a problem with me. Right. Now, if I don't get on this elevator and he's got a problem with me, it probably didn't want to be on the elevator with him in the first place. Right, right, right. So, right. so you're, that's a win-win situation. If the elevator door is open and there's a big guy on there and you don't want to get on there, or if you're a guy and you just, I mean, for whatever reason, you know, and the book also references that we're the only animal, talking about an elevator, that will get into a metal box with another animal that we don't know. And they make the, they use a, I think it's a raccoon and like a lion. And the lion will not get in the box with the raccoon. Even though the lion could rip it to pieces. Uh It won't get in the box with the raccoon because it doesn't know this, you know. And we, but what we do is we, you know, my gut tells me not to do this, but that would be rude. Right, right. So I'm going to get in here and get attacked. That is awesome. Yeah. So it also has a lot to do with the
0: faith that we have the trust that we're going to, that the, tr- the, the, inherent, the inherent trust that everything is going to work out yeah. or not. And it all depends on how you want to look at it. Right. Yeah. And I think those of us who have taken the creative route, I think we think differently in terms of those sort of things. The idea of uh, uh, historically this is something that shouldn't be done, but I am going to do this, whatever it's going to be. Uh, right. Living a life as an artist or writing a screenplay or making a movie or a television show. Mm-hmm. You guys have done, did what, two?
1: Um, Three? TV show. Well, I yeah. mean. Um, you and Jay? Jay and I did two. Right. Um, but I mean, we, Strangers with Candy and Exit 57 right. was not them. Not right. No, yeah. Yeah. But
0: the, the idea that we're going to put this fucking thing together, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, I'm going to do this, and have the vision to be able to do that. And not not to have that judgment in your head to say, this can't be done.
1: Well, no, I mean, but also, too, I mean, it's, I think if, I don't think we get up every morning, you, me, or anybody else going, what can I, what shouldn't I not do today? But I do believe that there are
0: a lot of people go, oh, that's not for me, I can't do that, or I won't be able to do that. Even people that come out to Los Angeles in order to be, whatever, to make it, to get into the industry. I think a lot of people talk themselves out of unfolding, unfurling, evolving who it is that they
1: are. I get up every morning, and I go, I don't suck. That a lot of people don't do that, Mitch. But what I'm saying is there's so many people that are on so many levels of this business that suck right. with such vigor, <laughs> you know, with such pride. Right. I suck. Right. And so I get up every day and I go, if I, I don't suck, I, am I saying I'm great? No, I just know I don't suck. Right. I know I got something to say. And got, that People might not want to hear, might not want to see, but also I'm not... Um, I really, and this sounds silly, I really am doing what I want to do. I'm not trying to do what I think, as far as the the TV shows and stuff that we did. I'm not trying to make a show somebody wants to see. I'm trying to make a show I want to see. Right. And that's, I mean, that's, and if, because it's also, you know, field of dreams. If you write it and shoot it, somebody, there's an audience out there for it. But even before that, if you write it and shoot it, if you write it, mm-hmm.
0: That's one thing. Mm-hmm. If you shoot it, there's an audience for it already.
1: You know what I mean? Somebody yeah. is interested in producing it at that moment. Yeah, but I mean, we did Factory, and F- Factory was a, uh, there's a, on La Brea, across from that Target. Yeah. There's, you know that little cement place? Uh, the little uh, white building wait, with the La thing. on La Brea? Yes, 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 okay. yes. Okay. Yeah. I drove by there, and I went, that's the coolest little thing in the middle of town. That's a, wow, that would be so cool to do a show there. Don't know why I thought that. And I right. was like, Factory. And then it, I sort of went, oh, It would be neat if there was just guys that worked there. Right. And then, so with the factory, it was one of those things where we literally shot the pilot. I call up and and Jay and Coleman and the usual suspects. And I said, hey, why don't we try to do this little thing? And we all shot it at my house. Every bit of it's at my house. I told my buddy Chris Nelson. He helped me get a coffin because he's a special effects guy, but he was in it too. And we literally, my living room was the funeral home my kitchen was my house my bedroom was Pasquazi's house Uh, i mean but literally like that and then the back of the funeral home was the backyard i mean just so we took everything around the house shot it for five grand right over two days maybe Uh uh-huh and then uh cut it together and then i went oh this is cool and um then i went to i was going to go to comedy central because Doug Herzog and did, we did um, Exit 57 with him and Stranger with him. So he was like, whenever you have stuff, come here. And, but he was over, under, it was Spike and Comedy Central. So we went to Spike and Comedy Central are sisters. They were under the same Got umbrella it. at the time. Uh-huh. And so I went to Spike and I thought, oh, they've never done any original programming here. This will be the first scripted show on the thing. So they were like, great. And I said, but it wasn't scripted. So I took the DVD. And I left it for them. And I said, hey, here's the deal. I'm not going to make this any longer than it needs to be. Watch this. If you think it's funny, call me. That was basically the movie. That was the pitch. Right. So they watched it and they called me back and they said, what's the deal? And I said, look, you and I both know you're not going to give me any money. So I would like full creative control. This is the show. It's these people. Um, And if that sounds interesting, great. We're not up for casting it. And this is a fluke. By the way, this is a fluke. They could have gone, get the fuck out. But, but they, you have a relationship
0: with these people, too. Yeah,
1: but I didn't really know any of these people in this scenario. Got it. So they said, well, let us pitch it to Doug. So I knew Doug. They didn't know I knew Doug. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So then they had a meeting, and they said, when you meet Doug, and blah, 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 blah. Right. And I was like, okay. So then we walked in, and I think Doug said something like, hey, asshole. And then, right, well, then they went, oh, no, he knows him. And so then he went... You know, so it was, it was a win-win. Sin, you know, right? So we did the show, and the only problem that they had was with this girl named Tracy, who played um, Pasquazi's ex-wife's sister stepsister's daughter, stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in no way was she related. They and they said we would like she's the only problem we have. We don't think that you that she's cute enough, basically. And she, she was she played this perfectly. And I said, well, no, then we're not going to do it here. Nice. I said, that was the deal. I said, because... Because you said, this is the yeah. cast and we're not going to be it. So uh-huh. I said, that's fine, you know, if that's what you guys want to do. And I said, but that's not what we really want to do. And I said, and also, it's, I said, this is not your typical looking girl. This is not a, a blonde hair. You know, it's not the girl you would think would be hanging out with these guys. And that's what made her really cool to me. But she's... Uh, She was great. She was one of the best. So what? So eventually they just... just, Oh, they they, went. Yeah. Oh, he's not. He's serious. He's not gonna. Right. Because here's the thing. We're not in it for making a ton of money. Right. So there's nothing to really lose. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. It's not like we're losing. Oh shit! We were going to be on you know Friday nights at eight. Right. No, we're going to be on Spike on Sundays at nine thirty. Right. 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 There's also something lovely about having
0: the confidence. However way it is that you get that confidence in order to do these things. Like, like we're going to do that. this is going to be these people. Mm-hmm. if you don't want to do what it is that we agreed to do, then we're not going to do it because I'm not going to chase that in order to make you happy.
1: yes, right, but also too, I mean it's <clears throat> we're literally doing i mean I'm a blessed guy, no doubt about that. there's no rhyme or reason i have I've either had doors slammed in my face, but the doors that have opened have been I'm not kidding to we nobody when we did the factory, I called friends right. And they all did the show. I mean, did the pilot. And then I said, and I told them, I said, if you're involved with this, if it goes, you will go with us. Right. Um, you know. And that's the other thing, too. I sort of told all these people that was the deal. Right. So I but could. it's also, these people know you, the,
0: uh, certainly the cast, for God's mm-hmm. sake. They know you so well. Yeah. But they know each other, too.
1: Right. Yeah. But that, that's what makes that show like that fucking awesome. Yeah. It's every time we've gotten together and done something, which has been several times, and um, it's never not been fun. It's never not been fun and people come into the fold. There's a guy named Peter Jason, great actor. He's been in everything. Um, uh, been around forever and ever, and ever and ever and ever He did, oddly enough, uh, Employ the Month, my name Jason, right? So he came in and, <clears throat> so then, he just he's just a great guy. And when we, were, we did this thing called Merkin Penal, which is a prison. Uh, what a cast, pilot. man. It was great, came out cool, yeah. <laughs> and so, but what was funny about it is Peter had worked with us a couple of times on stuff. He had done the factory pilot with us and everything, and then I said to Pasquazi and I were talking about, it, and I said I can't ask Peter. I said because I've asked him to do everything, and I said he's never said no, even if it's can we fly by and just shoot absolutely. What time do you want to come? And I said we can't ask him, and he got wind of it from Renee. <laughs> from who? From Renee Albert. Yeah, and. um because he's come into the fold now and has made all these new friends as a result of that. and every—I mean, Who wouldn't want to be in that group? I don't know. They're, <laughs> you know, they're a pretty good, pretty good bunch. And so Peter called me up and, and, uh, and he goes, what the fuck? He goes, you're doing this, uh, what's this prison thing you're doing? And I said, Pete, I said, he goes, you're not going to invite me? And I said, no. I said, look, here's the deal. I said, every single time I've ever asked you to do it, I said, there's no money here, dude. I said, it's one of these things where we're all getting together. And I said, and I've, you know, I have an idea, but it's, I, 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 let me get the show up and running and then we'll bring you a night and I can pay you. And he's like, no, no, no. And I said, Pete, I don't have anything to give you. Right. He said, give me, then give me a goddamn call time. Ah! Or not goddamn, but goddamn right. call time. Right. And so, you know, it was right. one of those things where, he did, That's what he wanted. He, right. I want to be there. I want to do this. Well, it becomes bowling yeah. night in a certain way. Because, yeah. You know, the,
0: the one reason that we do a lot of this stuff is it's a loss leader. But there's also times where it's like, I'm going to make this amount of money in order for me to do this thing that I really, really love to do. And it's, it's not a vanity project. It's more along the lines of, I need to do this. My fucking soul needs to do this yeah. to work with these people. Yeah. So that you don't have to. So that when you do meet with the guy who says titles should describe what the movie's about, yeah. you get to go. Okay, I can hear you. I'm mm-hmm. listening to you, and all that. Mm-hmm. Did you fire that guy after he did that, or that
1: was we did? Yeah, yeah, I I didn't fire him. I just like, <clears throat> and it wasn't. God, you know, it was one of those things where I just went. Okay, this guy doesn't really get what I want to do. Right. You know, that's the hardest thing out here. I think is to find somebody that knows what it is that you're doing and gets what you do. Yeah, but also too one one of the big realizations that I had a long time ago was that you think that you have these agents and managers, and that when you have them, forget it, you're set. I remember when we were in New York, William Morris. Son, when you're doing exit or exit fifty seven, uh-huh. yeah, we're in New York. We had just we literally come from Chicago. We did stitches. David Sedaris' play. Right. Everybody and their brother came to that, and out of that. One thing led to another, and then William Morris wanted to sign us. They signed all of us, and then I was like, "This is it, right? We're done. We right. don't ever have to have another agency, right? We don't ever have to fi- try and find agents again. This is awesome." <laughs> um, <laughs> that was no, that was not the case. They did great, fantastic, wonderful, um, but they're just—it's all personalities. You know, you're dating these people, right? And if they get what you do, that's awesome. Right. And if they don't, that's awesome too. Just find out and be willing to go, okay, this isn't working. Right. You know, we'd agree we agreed that if we build this monster and it starts to eat us, let's both kill it. Right. And so what happens is nobody wants to, well, I feel like, the, well, you know, right now it's just. You're talking about
0: if this relationship isn't working, let's yeah. kill it.
1: Yeah. And then move right. on. Because right. there's somebody, they're hard to find, there's somebody sitting at a desk right now waiting for you. Right. You know, and they think that you're fucking awesome, right? And and they get what you're trying to do, and that's what's uh, that's what's cool is when you meet those people, and even those people, that relationship only lasts for so long. Oh,
0: clearly, yeah. I think I think that what you what you said is when you said it's not working. It that word working just stands out so much to me because mm-hmm. it's work, man. It's not mm-hmm. if it's not working. It's not like we, your guys are married or anything like that. You know what I right. mean? Like It's not working. There's no work. It's right. not being something that is creating this work thing that we live
1: right. for. But the thing, same thing goes with managers, too. Right. Managers are called managers. That's what they do. They're mm-hmm. supposed to manage what you do. But you, that means
0: you have to have a very different
1: relationship with them in yeah. terms of what you're asking them to do. Right. But they're supposed to manage your whole career. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to sit back and collect checks. Right. Which is... Happens a lot too. So there
0: has to be again. I go back to this, and you you you're, you're a very confident person. I go back to this, like the idea of having that confidence to know that this is a business mm-hmm. that you have a voice and you have a product and you you create and you have a vision. Yeah. And that's it. But everybody does. I think that a lot of people <laughs> question it. A lot of people out here where I'm where I look at a lot of people. I look at a lot of the students that I have, and I go, that fucker is great. Mm-hmm. And you go, two years later, you're saying,
1: what happened to you? I'll tell you what happened to them. A couple of things, I think. What happens in some moments that we see, and I saw this at Second City sometimes. You're seeing somebody and you go, that guy's going to be fucking great. Right. That girl's going to be awesome. You're not witnessing that. What you're doing is you're witnessing somebody peeking. peaking. And you don't realize it because you're there to learn and you're there to see what's uh-huh. going on. Uh-huh. And man, when we all get to L.A., when we all get to New York... This guy's gonna explode. Mm-hmm. And what you're seeing is you're you're literally seeing someone hit the ceiling in that moment. And that's why they're so good. They're so confident, they're so strong on stage that they can do absolutely positively anything. But what you don't realize is they suck in an audition room. Right. That they are literally peaking before your eyes. They've right. made it to main stage, and this is what's happening. Right. And that's not that's just as far as they're gonna go. And that's awesome. They're amazing and they're fantastic. But you don't realize that at the time because you're on this trajectory where you're trying to go up. You're going up too. And you're going, shit, man, when we all, that's what everybody thinks, when we all make it. Right. And that's what happens is you literally are watching, witnessing someone at their best. And they will never get any better. And they're great. This is to take nothing away from them. Uh It's just the acknowledgement and the realization of you're watching somebody that has worked and worked and worked and worked. Instead of peeking in movies and on television... You'll see them peaking in Chicago in this theater tonight. So what you're also saying there is that they're
0: not they're not evolving professionally. So the idea of they suck in the the, the audition room, uh, uh, or they just can't put who it is that they are down on paper. Right. In order to write that show, that movie, that whatever the fuck it's going to be, so they have stopped evolving as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 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 the, it is that that. They don't realize. I mean, we all have a, a, a ceiling. We all, you know, we're all going to peak at some point. I may have and just don't know it. Everybody's so great not to tell me. I get it. <laughs> so, but also, I think that we're all wanting the next thing. And I think that when you stop wanting the next thing or stop giving a shit, you might want it, but it might not be a priority of yours. Uh-huh. If I get it, that's great. Oh, man, look what happened. Right. But you're not going, no, today I'm getting up because I've got to get the thing. Uh-huh. And that's what you have when you're young and when we're starting out. You have. I gotta get hired. Right. I gotta get with the tour co. Right. I gotta get on a stage. Right. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Right. And then when that happens, okay, great. I'm out of here. Right. I'm going to New York or LA. Okay. So then you just so you're just constantly looking for the next thing. So are you're doing, not. Are you, know. you saying that you're not living in the what you have at that moment? No. What I'm saying is, if you have that drive, you're enjoying it, but also right. you're realizing it for what it is. It's right. It's the idea of doing a guest spot on a show and go. Wait a minute. That's all you have to do to be a regular. <laughs> You know, and so then your, then your goal shifts from, I just want to be on a TV show. Right. To I want to be on this. I want to be a cast member. Right. Now I want it to go past a pilot. Right. I want to have a season. Right. I want to look back on this. And, th- and then you start to go, wait a minute, I can write one of these. Yep. Shit. This is what they're doing. Yeah. Now, again, I'm not saying anything other than, oh, mine's better than them. I'm just realizing, having these realizations where I'm going, oh, wow, I thought this was so so much harder than it is. It's hard, no doubt about it. But it's also that first time you're in L.A. and you're going, I got this audition, what's it for? It's for this show called, you know, Joe's trash can. Fuck man, I hope I get this. I gotta get this, I gotta get it. And you think it, you live it, you breathe it. You're up an hour, you're stretching, it's the morning of the audition, it's your first one out here. You're gonna leave early because you wanna park. And so what you do is you've got on your best thing. You've taken your shower. You've got your clothes. I should wear this shirt. Fuck, this shirt's got that thing on it. I'm going to wear this other shirt. This is the shirt I'm going to wear because this is what Nick, the character in the show, would wear. So what I'm going to do is, and I should comb my hair down because everybody has a problem with my hair. So I'll comb my hair down, and then I'll go, on. I'm going to get there early because I don't want to be sweating. I don't want to, in case I have to walk all the way across the lot, I don't want to have to sweat. So I'm going to park here. Shit, man, i got to get change. i got to pay some money for the meter because they haven't put me on the lot. So then you get there, and then you go up to the guard check and they go, Hey, here's this, and you go, where is it? And they, they go, Oh, have you been here before? And you go, No. And you're so bright eyed and stupid. And you go, No, man. And you walk on the lot and you're this is it. This is what I've come here for. This is fantastic. This right. is the mothership, and I've never felt more comfortable. And now I gotta find bungalow 47. Right. And none of these bungalows are one, two, three, four. Right. It's 47, 89, 62 bungalow B. And it's all these different things. And you finally get onto the lot and you're trying to find this bungalow. And then you get in there and you're go, got this audition. They and what you've told yourself is it's not. Just an audition. It's a meeting. I've got a meeting with these people. That's what they call it. (laughs) So then you've got a meeting at 2.15. And you've got, this is a three-minute meeting if you're lucky. So then you get in there and you realize, holy shit, there's a lot of other people here. Right. Oh, my God. They really don't know what they're looking for. There's, oh, there's my body. I know that guy. Oh, man, there's that guy. Why isn't he working? They'll probably give it to him because he's great. And so then you go in and you meet these guys. And you go in and your time is just gone in a heartbeat. And then you're walking out of the room, and you're going, "I should have done what I did. Right. I did uh, everything I practiced and everything I rehearsed went right out the window because I was nervous. And now it's the longest walk back to the car, and it's this horrible, horrible thing. But what happens is the next one's a little bit easier, and the next one's a little bit easier. And then what it, makes it easier? Because it's the unknown, right? And so right. then it dawns on you, oh, this is just part of it. Like my dad said to me one time, "Your job is finding a job, right? Right? Which is insane." You know, we're the only business <laughs> that I know of that I'm really, I mean, I have no idea what I'm doing next week. Right. None. I might go to New York. I might go to Hilton Head, you know, and, but I'm not worried about it. And here's an interesting thing. You've got a family. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's the other thing. Well, that's the other thing. Well, but, but it goes back to that, too. That's the insanity of where you're not working for a job. It's probably also the only business where I'm going to make, you know, a nice little chunk of change for five days' work. Right. Right. So right. then I can sort of goof off. Right. And my wife is an actress. So she's going to do this and she's doing... You know, so you you are making these little pockets of money. Right. You know, which is great. And then you get residuals, which are sometimes great but sometimes ridiculous. But there is this idea of, I'm so... I would, you know, you start... You want to be an actor, and then you go, oh, wait a minute, I want to, I, I, I don't like really what we're reading. I don't like, oh, we can write one of these? Great. Right. And then you do that, and, then, and so I'll write it, and I'll let somebody else shoot it. And then you go, wow, they didn't get that at all. I not get shoot they one they of these, shoot. too. Oh, gotcha, right, you know, right, <laughs> right, right, right. And so, wow, that was, I didn't, you know, I saw a, a two-story house. This is an apartment complex. That's where these guys live. You know, so you start going, I, they're they're just not getting your vision. Uh-huh. Um, and I know I'm all over the track here, but what i the point is this. I think it just gets constantly easier. It's just like your first date. You know, the first time you went out with the girl, you're like, Whew, you know, you're sweating and all that shit. But then you go out again and, and then you realize, oh, you just want to go Friday? And now when you go to an audition, they could literally you could be on your way out of town and they could call you and go, Do you want to go into Warner Brothers at 430? Right. And you look at your watch and you go, I could go, I'm on my way to Palm Springs. What's the show about? (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. So you're sitting there going, "Uh, you know what? Are they seeing people tomorrow or next week? Right. Is this the first? And so you learn
0: all those things. You
1: learn all those things. Yeah.
0: And it it goes back again for me. It goes back to, if you're going to fear the unknown, if you're going to fear the idea of like, I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, oh, but what you're saying exactly about, I don't know what I'm doing next week. I totally understand that. Who doesn't, in what it is that we do, understand that concept? And then, and yet, you're not going, I don't know what I'm doing. I'd better apply for some jobs. You don't do that.
1: No, but also, too, I think that we're... Again, it goes back to... I've been real lucky. I've been so but you, lucky. But, but you also created your own luck, if you
0: want to call it that. Because, again, you've always had that vision. You've always yeah. had that vision. And you've always surrounded yourself with people who will support that and who will inspire you and make mm-hmm. you see things that you never fucking saw before, yeah. none of which are, Mitch, you
1: can't do this. No, 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 no. My dad told me when I was little, you can do anything you want to do, and I was dumb enough to believe him in the sense of... But he
0: also lived that, helped you
1: do that. It wasn't it was like you can
0: do whatever you want. And then no, he no, no, helped no. you
1: do that. Absolutely. The, again, blessed. blessed. I'm, I'm the most blessed man you will ever meet on so many different levels. Um, but I think you have to... If you're going to get hit by the car, you got to get in the street. Uh-huh. You can't just sit on the sidelines and go, well, shit, man.
0: What's going to get hit by well, a car? I'm not understanding them. The,
1: if you're going to be in this, if you're going to come all the way out to L.A., got it, don't sit on your couch and wait for the phone to ring. No, right, right. No matter, regardless of who you know or what's going on, you have to get out and do something. Right. Because they will forget about you in a heartbeat. And it's also you start digging yourself in. Fucking digging yourself, digging yourself,
0: digging yourself into this hellhole yeah. of self-doubt, and
1: yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's the it's this is the most horribly wonderful business there is mm-hmm. because when it's great, it's awesome, and when it's horrible, it's bad. But also, too, I mean, we're sitting here, and as you know, there are there is a certain there's a a a bunch of us that are fortunate enough. To not have to work every single day at some other job. Um, you know. But also, too, it's like, and to, to, to bring it back to Jay, you know, you're looking at a guy and I'm sitting around, I'm looking at all my friends, and, and we thought, well, shit, one day we're going to X. Right. You know what we'll do? Once we make it, we'll all do blah, 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 and this is what we're going to do. And then you realize when you, you got, you reached that goal. I remember when I was like, shit, man, if I can buy... A Mercedes Benz. Uh-huh. I've made it. I bought it, and then I was like, right, okay, right. You know, and lucky, yeah, because my dad had one when we were growing up, and I knew that that was like a benchmark for me. Uh-huh. I didn't know it at the time. Um, so it's those sort of things, and then I see, you know, like with with what when Jay died, it was one of those things where you go. Not only it was just this huge wake up call of going oh, wow, you don't, these things that we talked about, wow, they're not gonna happen, you know? And so you go, what else am I talking about that might not happen? And so, you know, that goes back to making these, you know, that's one of the frustrating things is that, and, and I'm, you hear people going, you hear agents and managers going, uh, we're exchanging calls. We're playing phone tag. I'm going to reach out to him after lunch. It's his turn to call me. And you're sitting there going, you're talking about somebody's career. You're talking about somebody's life. And I think if we had not, if Jay and I, and it's not out of respect, but if we had gone, no man, come on, just make the call. Stop this. Let's just, are they in or they out? And I think if I had played that that way, we might've gotten another project done mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. he died. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Right. You know. So what also is true, that's awesome.
0: What what <coughs> is also true is how much you did get done.
1: Okay, oh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Yeah. But lucky, you know, again, it's a big part of it is, is busting your ass and being at the right place at the right time. And you I know. go I go back to this fucking surround yourself with somebody
0: or having in your posse someone like Jay to go, let's do this. We're going to do this. I know that nobody else is going to do this. Nobody else has done this before. Because I remember when he was one one of my uh, teachers or directors at Second City and he would do shit and I would go, what are you doing, man? Mm -hmm. You can't bring a nine foot iPod on the on a stage what are you doing and he goes no, trust me on this I'm, I'm going to do it I'm going to do it and I'm like I don't know it's like, and then he would do it and I'm going that works that fucking works <laughs> yeah, yeah. that works that yeah. works that works and so somebody who will shake you the fuck up mm-hmm. and then give you the confidence to say you know when he's gone I still know how to shake shit up because he taught me how to shake shit up
1: yeah <clears throat> no 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 definitely we definitely kept each other um, uh, in check you know
0: but also, you inspired, you, you poked at each other, too. Yeah, no, 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 for sure, for sure.
1: Um, but his, but also, his reference level? Right. Ridiculous. Right. You know, I'm not your book reader, you know? <laughs> uh, that,
0: that, that There was a race car driver that says, you want to hide something from me? Put it in a book. Yeah, true.
1: <laughs> I mean, aside from the Gavin DeBeckers, I bet I've, the books
0: I've read are on one hand. Think you know what I mean? Pat Finn once said, uh, I read, uh, last book I read was... Uh, uh, hockey stars in 1994. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: uh, volume one and two, and that was it. It's like okay. All
1: right. When I was okay, so I'm insanely dyslexic. Uh, I have ADD, which is I don't know what that is, and I'm from the south. So, you know, as far as reading, I've got three major strikes <laughs> against me. And when I was I love a that little, being in the south is one of, yeah, okay. it's crippling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was, in, I was really good in math, and so when you would finish, and this was when I was tiny, when I was in, okay, so I go to, um, I would get done at my math class, and then uh, I could read a book that was on the shelf, and they had, it was all paperbacks, and there was like mad You know, spy versus spy and all this. A lot of my reading was spy versus spy because that would keep my attention. And then I I would... There's another thing. Like, they didn't say anything except Morse code every once in a while. Right. You know, that idea of family circle (laughs) uh, or family circus. Um, Yeah. So uh, (laughs) um, I would finish the math and then then one day I went over there and here's the irony upon irony is that I'm looking for a book that has pictures. And I see of all books... This is the God's Honest Truth, may lightning strike me down. Of all the paperback books to have on this on this spindle is Deliverance, the screenplay. It's in paperback form. But it has pictures in it. Uh Uh-huh. So I look at it and I'm like flipping through it and I'm looking at these pictures of Burt Reynolds and you know, and I'm sitting here going, wow, this is sort of this movie. Because in the middle of the book was like 15 photographs. Right. And then I was so. Then I was looking, and I was going, "Oh wow, this is in script form." So it was one of the first times that it made sense to me, because words jump all over the page for me. So when it was broken down and had the space, they weren't getting jumbled. Wow! 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 But wow, also, wow, wow. I could see that this is Burt Reynolds' character, Burt, 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 you know, right? And all broken down, and that all made sense to me. And so that's when I, the first time when I went, "Oh, this is cool." And then I found uh, a. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was on there, too. So I swiped them both. I still have them, ironically. Um, but, you know, that was... And I didn't know um, that that's what that was. I didn't know I had... You didn't know dyslexic. what the script was. You didn't... But also, I, I, I didn't... <laughs> I, my folks and nobody, this, nobody knew I was dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Because when I was really little, when I first started going to school, they would come and take me to a different class. But I thought, that's just what you did. I thought every kid, Mm -hmm. you go to Mm -hmm. school and then somebody, I thought this was just part of school. A woman comes to the room and she takes you and walks you down to the end of a hall randomly. And you sit in a classroom with three other kids who are seriously something wrong with them. They're past (laughs) dyslexia. You know, they're fascinated by the color red. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and so I'm going, is that who I am? So I can't figure it out. So then here's how I found out I was dyslexic and it's, Hilarious. Now, um, I was in uh, my English class, and uh, we were we were studying plays, and she said we're going to do Death of a Salesman. Mm -hmm. um, No, 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 I'm sorry. She she says we're going to do Of Mice and Men. Mm -hmm. She says, and I'm scared to death. I don't want to raise my hand because I I don't read well. So she Mm -hmm. says so and so, and then she points at me and she says you're going to read Lenny. Uh-huh. okay now I'm playing talking about the rabbit charge the second yeah I yeah yeah I read Lenny and she, the teacher says to me I want to talk to you after class and I'm like oh no because we've read the whole thing out loud in class we've read the play she's and so everybody leaves and she's sitting there talking to me and she says that was amazing the way you captured that character uh-huh and I was playing the mentally yeah yeah handicapped guy the guy the who likes red the color red or furry uh, rabbits right and um, um, so she said that was you kept, I don't how did you know to do that and th- there was like so many levels and I was like oh wow she said we're gonna read another play and she goes I would like it, I would like you to read again and I was like great so now I'm walking away going shit man I'm not as bad as I think I am so I read the play like this where I'm trying to find the words go and... So then, the next week, we read Death of a Salesman. Right. She says, I want you to read Biff. Got it. I read Biff just like this. (laughs) She says, I want to talk to you after class. I'm like, this is... I'm knocking this out of the park. (laughs) She says, why did you read that like you read Lenny? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She said... You read Biff just like you read. And I said, "Yeah, that's the way I read." And she went, "Oh, so that's how she was, and that's how we made the connection." Because, how have you gotten past it? You know what I mean? But here, okay, wow, I'm talking a lot. The, my sister, my nephew had is dyslexic. Uh-huh. My sister called me as if they had found out there was a tumor in his brain. It was swelling quickly. He has, he's dyslexic too. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, right. And she's like, but that's going to be so hard. I'm like, no, it's not hard at all. And it's not. You're, if you're going to go drive a car in England, right. you're going to be driving yeah. on the other side of the road. Uh-huh. But right. that's where you're learning to drive like right. that. Right? I didn't...
0: You didn't know any better. No. It wasn't like... Right.
1: It's not like you're, don't, you're going, you're reading wrong. Right. You're still trying to learn how to read. And right. everybody's learning how to read. You're just doing it differently. Right. So you don't know that it's not clicking in. You know what I mean? Oh, I totally understand. I mean, I don't
0: have dyslexia, but I know you got it, and I know that Michael McCarthy has it, and I know all these fucking people who are really good at what it is that they do, but that totally makes sense where you say, because compared to me, compared to what I got, it's like, how do you do it? But compared to you, you are living the life that you're living the way that you're living it, and you can't compare yourself to me.
1: No, I could have picked a pencil up with my left hand and learned to write with my left hand. Right. It just so happens that I learned to write with my right hand. Yes, right, 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 So it's right. the same thing. You're still learning. But also, I mean, if you take a, here's a dyslexic tip. If you're reading something on a white piece of paper, take a three by five card that's a different color and lay it under each line. Do you do that? I do on occasion. Right. If I'm reading a script quickly, I'll do that. And, there, and that way nothing jumps. Did this teacher also turn you on to, to theater in general? You know what I mean? No, she didn't. Never. Where did that come from? Um... I always, I mean, my dad. My dad was a um, and still is a doctor, but he also um, was a guitar player. He was Mm -hmm. a DJ in college, and but also just a good guy. He's really, really funny, and he would always dinner time for us was always a show. You know, he would goof off and laugh, and we'd all tell jokes. and And my dad turned me on to uh, Saturday Night Live. You know, he said, "Go to sleep now because you're going to get up and you got to see this show." Um, took me to see George Carlin, Robert Klein, Steve Martin. Took me everywhere. Took me to see Elvis, and I saw Chet Atkins. I saw Floyd Kramer. I saw Boots Randolph. We always went to a concert, and my dad's just the coolest guy in the world, and my mom is too. And so, um, you know, and, it, and but he was making sure we got out and saw stuff. We saw <laughs> my sister, you know, loved David Cassidy. So my dad took the whole family to see David. because it was the most insane, we should have just sat in the car, you know, with the radio (laughs) blaring as loud as we could possibly get it and just punch the stations because that's how much sense it made. Um, Screaming? (laughs) Oh my God, yeah. But also, you know, just constant screaming. Um, Yeah. But no, they. but he turned me on to it. And also... um, uh, I got in trouble a lot in high school for Goofing Off. Mm-hmm. And a guy named Richard Malinoskis was a very big baby Huey type guy. And he said, for the kind, we were both in detention. And he said, you know, for the kind of trouble you get into, you should go to Second City. And I said, what's that? This is in high school? Yeah. Uh huh. And I, I had no idea what Second City was. And he said, yeah, but you like. And you're it. in Tennessee? Mm hmm. And he said, you like Ackroyd and pollution I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that's where they came from. Right. I was like, get out. And he's like, no, no, no. And it's like, what do you mean that's where they came from? There's right. a place? He goes, yeah, there's a place you can go learn all this stuff. And I had a teacher tell me, Mrs. Linehan, she told me, she called me out in front of the class and she said, Mr. Rouse, I was doing something stupid. She said, there's, there is not a job where they will pay you to goof off. Oh, she wrong. Wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, Which scared me. You know, <laughs> because I thought, I can't really do anything else. Um, but Yeah. And then, but also, I played football. And I remember the first time, uh, and and football was big in Tennessee. Yeah. And I remember the first time that I uh, broke through the line and tackled the quarterback. The place went nuts. And I went, what's that? Right, right. It had nothing to do with us winning or losing. Right. (laughs) Could give a shit. Right. I did something and everybody went nuts. Right. Where's that piece of paper to sign up? Right. I'm into that. No, it's all attention. I've always wanted attention. I love attention.
0: I love that where you go, the first time you heard an audience go, Mm -hmm. and you go, that's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. And and how addicting that is. What I love is, because I do a lot more stage stuff than Mm -hmm. I do screen stuff. And there's something immediate in getting a laugh right then yep, or having a reaction in some way that you don't get when you're producing something on film or hmm. tape or something wherever it's going to be yeah but that,
1: at that point I mean you're, you're making your friends laugh too there's something to be said about that right. there's something to be said about being in a scene with Mike Coleman right. and doing everything you can possibly do not to laugh
0: it he is the greatest is...
1: feeling in the world yet you feel horrible if you laugh Right. He, I'm, Mike is probably the only guy I know on stage that can make me break. I cannot, and and here's the thing it's not what he's saying, it's the fact that he's saying (laughs) it. You know, the sweetest guy in the world. Right. In that package, in that guy, in that moment, who would do anything for you. Right. um, At any given moment. And yet, for some reason, how he pieces stuff together and the things that come out of his mouth blow my mind. He also has an awesome reference level as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. But just
0: For yeah. minutia, the littlest stupid it like American everything. white bread,
1: that sort of shit. Yes, but so, also, it's in your brain, too. I know. Way, 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 way back Right. There, and it was only mentioned to you at summer camp on the last day on the bus.
0: Exactly.
1: By a guy you didn't know, you heard him over talking, and you're sitting there, the, and he'll say something, and you'll go, oh, my God. <laughs> and you know exactly what he's talking about, but you haven't heard it right. for 22 exactly. years. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, what he's doing is, what, what Coleman's doing is, he's being
0: alive. He's being alive and, he's, yep. and it's, what, it's what we all do to, to a certain extent. Those, again, artists where we look at shit, we go, I'm going to store that away. I'm going to hold on to that. That's inventory I'm going to use. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Instead of just saying, life is about retirement. Life is about right. this fucking thing. And so many people, my brother's 53, 53, 50, 53, and he's talking about retiring. I'm going. What? Ha- how do you? And I, <laughs> no. and I kept thinking, What do you do that? How do you do? What do you do? How does that work? What is it that you do? Why? There's another thing, because he gets up every morning and gets in a car and goes over to Discover Card, and he is a graphic designer for them. He's yeah. an art. He's you know yeah. he's he's a, he's an artist over there, and that's what he does. And one day he doesn't want to does that anymore.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, it's true. And
0: I get it, but what do you do then? What do you do then? But it's what you were saying about we get to do this thing and then piss off for a while and have the confidence to know that. Yeah. Because I think that I look at my brother and he says, I always wish that I had the gene that allowed me to do what you do, which is essentially look for work and be cool when I don't have the work. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not having the work, look for work, get work, know that I'm going to have work because there is something in that too.
1: Yeah, but we're, I mean, we got to, My fear, you know, I don't think we grow up. And in in life, people go, dude, come on, seriously, grow up. You need to focus. Well, we're focused, but what we're doing is, you know, it's insane. It's play. Yeah,
0: yeah. I met a woman, a born-again Christian, so Christian on an airplane. And she said, now describe to me again what you do. So you're just about pretending. And I went, "Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Mm -hmm. She's right. (laughs) <laughs> no, but 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 you're saying Jesus Christ, she's right. Fuck yeah, right, and that's, that's another thing. Going yeah, she's yeah. right.
0: That's exactly it. And I first yeah. wanted to go. You don't understand. And then I was thinking about it later, thinking that's exactly what the hell it is.
1: It is. But also when we we, I'm not going to get into specifics. Specifics, either one of those, mm-hmm. or a thesaurus or dictionary. Um, but we uh, because. We were, and I say we, the, the band of freaks that I run with, mm-hmm. the Pasquazy, Coleman, Jay, and all these guys, um, we, in a nutshell, decided not to do factory anymore mm-hmm. because um, they wanted to cut our budget. And at the end of the day, they said, um, yeah, but I said, but you know, there's a lot of prep, blah, blah, blah. They said, all you're doing though, you guys just make this up. And I went, yeah, and they said, well, we can get anybody in here to make it up. And I went, oh, okay, all right, cool, I think you should. Because then you started to go, oh, they, and it's not, it. that's the thing too. <laughs> it does seem easy. It do, When you're with people that you've improvised with for 25 years. We make it look really easy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you get a group of people that have never worked before or that they've just been doing it for a couple of years or thought they'd try it because they're hilarious at work, um, that's when it gets bumpy. But also, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty much a comedy snob and improv snob. Right, right. You know? Well, the pedigree that you have as well. But even out of the gate, though, David, you know... When you see good improvising, right. and then you see those people that are just fucking going for the jokes, right. and those are the people you want to just stand up and go throw a chair at them and go fuck off, right. And walk out of the theater. I have a I have a hard
0: time with a lot a lot of what I see these days because it is all about get to that joke right away, and I feel like what are you doing? Why I there's no there's at Jay's memorial, I watched everybody get up there, and I thought I saw you. I saw you do a moving scene who's speaking at Mm -hmm. the memorial at I.O. I saw... I've seen you do a moving scene. I've seen you do a moving scene. I've seen you do a moving scene. You never... None of us went for the fucking laughs.
1: No. (laughs) Right.
0: And yet, nothing is as funny as some of the shit that nothing had been as funny has been is as some of the stuff
1: that we've done. No, Without people
0: wanting to make it happen.
1: No, no, it's true. But also, too, I mean, the most interesting thing, when when improvisers first get on stage and start improvising, I think the mistake that they made, and, it's, and it is a mistake, and it's for new improvisers, they come out going, I've got to be funny. We were lucky enough to work with Dell, right, who would taser you. I mean, in the idea, verbally, ta- <sighs> right for, to go for a joke. And, but also, too, I think that you can't, you know, you're supposed to be really sweet as a teacher, and you're supposed to hold hands, and everything's great. That's all bullshit at the end of the day because we're not going to. I don't. Here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to pay five dollars, and I've said this as long as I can remember. And Jay reminds me of this and did. I don't want to pay five, ten dollars to see somebody grow on stage, uh-huh. grow in the workshops, grow in class. But when you're coming on stage, bring it. Right. You know, if I've paid a Second City show and I've seen the scripted show, right. now I'm going to take a break and you guys are going to make shit up too. You know, and you're working some stuff, some scenes and stuff, great. I've seen a great show. I've taken a bit. This has been a great experience. But do not fuck around if we're paying to see you do a show. Right. Do a show. Right. When the lights come down, don't come out there and you oh, everything's so great. and I guess we're going to, Well, can we get a suggestion? Fucking do a show. Mm. Bring it. And I also respect it. the other people on stage. Don't fucking go for the joke. If there's a joke there, walk away from it. You know, stay in your scene to do your stuff. It's so interesting because
0: there's so many times where you go, I can do a joke right here, and I'm not going to fucking do a joke right here. Yeah. And and it and it's just a thought that pops in your head yep. saying, here's an opportunity to bring a fucking joke, but you know so well that the moment you get on the joke train, you cannot get no, off. You, no. you it's uh-uh. interesting to get on the joke train yeah. actually derails everything. Absolutely. So get on the rail derails everything in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you go, you've just done it. You did it. Why the fuck did you do that? And we know a lot of people, you know, I did a show with somebody that you and I know, and we did a show, and it became meta, and it fucking went away. And I go, you're not at the top of your game anymore, dude. You're just <laughs> not at the top of your game anymore. Nope. And I look at that going, it's hard to play with somebody like that. It's really, really hard to play with somebody
1: that says, laughs, trump, everything. I know. That's bullshit. Right. Right. Because that is where if you've been sitting there and you've been putting out line and you're on a boat and you've Mm -hmm. been laying all this shit down Mm -hmm. and you've just been playing these moments and you've been getting, you've found these little jokes as opposed to, here's your joke. And that's the other thing too that burns my ass is when you've sat there and you've had this slow scene that you've gotten consistent laughs and everybody's on the edge of their sheet. Then the doorbell rings and somebody delivers something and then they're out of the scene. I remember we were second city one night and I won't mention names, but in the middle of a scene, somebody came to the door, delivered something for a joke, literally delivered a joke. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and then I went, Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on back in. Right? Yeah. Right. No, 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 no. I didn't I didn't quite understand why you showed uh, what was now what is your date? You know, and it was just like this person was in the headlights going and it was right. like you're here. Right. I know that you and, and literally I think it was literally me going, You couldn't have just come here to do that. Right. You know, it's one of those just slowly peeling the skin off their body. You know, no, 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 no stay. Let me get you something to eat. Right. You
0: know, I, then there's somebody like uh, Mike. were you were on Io, where Mike, when Mike Myers was hanging out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he would come in and he would add something to the scene, exactly what the scene needed. Mm-hmm.
1: It's I, what I always called. He'd walk in
0: and turn a screw. Exactly. Yeah. He was the best at that. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and. Went, he knows exactly what to do. And when he left, he was able to leave and make it so that you didn't miss that guy. You were like, let's watch what he just
1: fucking did. Right. right. And, and then as he's walking out, thank you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think he was, I think Mike was a fan of your scene. Right.
0: He was present with what it was that you were doing. He didn't see himself as being outside of it. Nor did... I don't know that he even saw himself as rescuing the scene (laughs) as much as he would say, you know what? I think this scene needs this. Mm
1: -hmm. But also sometimes I think he would come in and also crystallize your scene and remind you, oh, here's all your pieces. You guys dropped a couple of these. Right. This is what What you guys are doing. What a team player, man. Yeah. 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 It's, It's fascinating. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's end there. <laughs> okay. That was really
1: good. Lovely. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrosowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter
0: at D Rosowski.